26th chapter. St. Matthew, the 26th chapter. And uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 14. St. Matthew 26. And um, we're going to begin reading at verse uh, number 14. Amen. You'll find these words. Then one of uh, the twelve called Judas Ascaret went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And uh, they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. I'm reading from the NIV. Verse 16, so from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Verse 17, now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Verse 18, and he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Let's read verse 18 again, because this is where the subject matter is going to come from. And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, or the master says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. I'm going to talk to you all today from this subject matter, from this text, the Passover at your house. The Passover at your house. God is so good. God is so kind. He's so just to us and he's so faithful to us that during this pandemic, during the stay-at-home order, God is so good until he says to us, today I'm going to have the Passover at your house. You have to understand uh, that the Lord's Supper uh, was given as a permanent ordinance. Uh, it was while they were eating, and I would encourage you to read that entire uh, 26th chapter of the book of St. Matthew. Time just didn't allow me to do it, uh, but read the entire 26th chapter, and you would understand the full concept of what I'm going to be talking about here today. But it was while they were eating the Passover meal that Christ instituted the Lord's Supper. Now, the Passover was the commemoration of the deliverance of the Israelites from Egypt through the last plague, uh, which was, of course, the slaying of all the 
firstborn of the Egyptians. Uh, the Israelites escaped this slaying of the firstborn through the blood of a lamb being applied to the doorposts of their houses. You find that in the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. In fact, the 12th chapter, verse number seven, God said, when I see the blood, in other words, when I see it applied on the doorpost, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Israel. And so Passover became the name of the most important yearly religious observance in Israel. And so what he was doing was he was replacing the Passover uh, with the Lord's Supper. And so the Lord's Supper is the new ordinance of God to celebrate his deliverance of man from bondage and slavery. I, I, I don't want you to miss that. The Lord's Supper, it's the new ordinance uh, of God to celebrate his deliverance of man from bondage and uh, slavery. And so in God's eternal plan, the sacrificial lamb used in the Passover had always been a picture of Christ, the real lamb of God who was to be sacrificed for mankind. And so by instituting the Lord's Supper during the Passover meal, Christ was not only tying his supper uh, to the Passover, he was also proclaiming himself to be, to be the Lamb of God who was to be slain for the sins of all mankind. And so Christ, he instituted the Lord's Supper before he died, not after his resurrection, I know somebody said, Pastor, we just had Easter a few Sundays ago. You had already buried him, and we got him back up on Easter Sunday. Now you're talking about his death again. Well, I need y'all to understand that that's a part of the gospel message. And how many of y'all know the gospel is the same today? It's going to be the same tomorrow, and it's going to be the same forevermore. Amen. The gospel is the death. It's the burial and it's the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's very important for us to understand that he instituted the, 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 the Lord's Supper before he died, and it was not after his, his resurrection. And this is incredibly significant because it means that his death was voluntary. Uh, you read at one point where he says, no man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay down my life. And with that same power, I can, I can pick my life back up again. And then there was another occasion. He said, you destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll build it back up again. And so, 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 so it means that his death was voluntary. Uh, he had not yet died. He, he, fact of the matter is he did not have to die. Uh, you all do know that he could have slipped out of town and escaped, but he chose to willingly lay down his life for the sins uh, of all man. And so therefore, the Lord's Supper is, is the great celebration of the voluntary sacrifice of God's Son uh, 
for man. And so the broken bread and poured wine picture uh, the willingness of God's son to lay down his life for our sins. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he came and I'm glad that he, he laid down his life for my sins. And so when you read in the text, the text would tell you that it was on the first day of the feast that the disciples came to Christ. I don't want you to miss that. The disciples came to Christ. Again, they knew nothing about Christ's plan to institute a new celebration. The fact of the matter is they just assumed that he was going to celebrate the Passover as always. Uh, 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 The text will let us know that Christ did not have to approach them. Uh, uh, They knew that it was his practice to observe the celebration. The fact of the matter is Christ faced great difficulty in observing uh, the celebration because you all do know that he he had no home. He had no place of his own for the observance. But, 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 but there was a much greater obstacle confronting him at this celebration. Because when you read it, you discover that there were enemies uh, uh, within the city that were seeking to kill him. And so with that being said, we cannot help but to note his faithfulness in observing the celebration, despite the fact that there were enemies out there trying to kill him. And so you have to understand that the Lord's Supper, what we're going to partake of in a few minutes, is tied to Christ's death. Uh, The text says that Christ said, my time is at hand. And so anytime you see my time or my hour, it is a term which Christ constantly used to refer to his death. And so he tied his death to the Passover with the words, my time. In other words, my death is at hand. And then he says, I will. Now listen at him. He says, I will keep the Passover. And of course, of course, his death is what the Lord's Supper celebrates. But but, but notice, but notice, the Lord's Supper is tied to religious obedience. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to take y'all someplace. The Lord's Supper is tied to religious obedience. Uh, uh, Christ said, I will keep the Passover. And so, 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 so Christ kept the Passover. You all need to understand something, that religious obedience is important to God. Now, I understand that we like to say it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And I agree with you a thousand percent. It is about having a relationship with God. We all need to have a personal relationship with God. Can I talk to y'all for a few moments? But I want you to understand that religious obedience is important 
to God. Because note how Christ was faithful in his observance, even in the face of death. In the face of death, he still said, I will keep the Passover. You know, sometimes, sometimes I thought about this and I heard somebody else make mention of it, uh, said that uh, they said that uh, one man said he had to apologize to the governor for uh, the day not making the church uh, an essential. And I know you've heard people talking about how, you know, how can Walmart and how can bowling alleys and barbershops become uh, essential? And it seemed like the church is non-essential. Well, guess what? Uh, uh, we need to apologize to the governor or, or, or whomever else that we've talked about in regards to blaming them for making the church non-essential. Because I, I, I just got it in my spirit that the blame is not on them. The blame is on believers. I believe that uh, 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 we as believers have made the church non-essential. Seems like we're trying to take everything out of the church. Uh, some folk is even trying to take the ordinances uh, 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 that we practice out of, uh, out of the church. No longer, if we brought the world into the church, uh, uh, we've, what we've done, we've changed our pulpits into, into stages and we've changed uh, our singing hymns and making uh, melody in our hearts into something else. We have made the church non-essential. But you have to understand when it came to Jesus Christ, he always attended worship services and he was always involved in worship. I'm getting sick and tired of people. And I understand that the normal is not going or the norm is not going to be normal. And they always having conferences and calls and telling us that when we get back into the church, we're going to have to change some things and everything. I said, let me tell y'all something. I said, Greater St. Luke don't have to change nothing. I said, because Greater St. Luke have always been about magnifying and praising the name of the Lord. Greater St. Luke have always been about preaching the unadulterated gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Christ kept the Passover. And so religious obedience is very important to God. And what a rebuke to some of us, of those who allow the comfort of our homes and the enjoyment of our recreation and the pleasing of our flesh to keep us away from the Lord's Supper and other religious observances. I'd be glad when we can go back into the house of the Lord. I'm like David, I'm going to shout, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. Anybody else be glad when you get, when, when we're able to go back into the house of the Lord and sing our worship and praise the name of the Lord? I know that we can do it the way that we're doing it. And in fact, I feel the presence of the Lord right here in my room right now. I, I can worship God all by myself, but it's something about when we gather together and then other people clap their hands and you hear somebody else say, praise the Lord. And then somebody else in the other corner say, thank you, Jesus. And somebody in the choir stand hollers, hallelujah. I can praise God all by myself, but it's nothing like when the saints of God gets together 
Amen. And we magnify and we praise the name of the, of the Lord. And we do the ordinances of our church. And that is one great significant one is that we share in the body of Christ and we share the blood of Jesus through faith. Did you all not know that the Lord's Supper was used as an appeal to a sinner? I want you to learn something here today. The Lord's Supper was used as an appeal to a sinner. Christ used the occasion of the supper to appeal to Judas. And, and, and he gave Judas a last chance to repent of his sin. Uh, 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 that was the purpose of the Lord's Supper. When, when, when you read in the text, it said, you go find a man <laughs> and you tell that man that I'm going to celebrate the Passover at his house. <laughs> I need y'all to understand that man was Judas. He used the Last Supper to appeal to a sinner. Uh, he gave Judas one more chance to repent. And sometimes we don't know, you better hear the voice of God. God said, I'm going to have Passover in your house today. And, and God has given us an opportunity. God has given us another time to repent of our sins and tell the Lord, the life of sin too long I've wronged, but God, now I'm, I'm coming home. Uh, Christ, Christ took some steps uh, 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 with Brother Judas. Number one, Christ revealed the sin and the treachery of Judas. Uh, look at the Bible. Look in your Bibles. Look in your Bibles. Glance down at verse number 21. I told you to keep your Bibles open because it was a shock. It was a shock on that day. For the Lord said the betrayer was a disciple. Who would ever think that the betrayer was going to be a disciple? Let me tell you something. Don't be fooled by folk who dance and shout and speak in more tongues than they speak in English and, and declare how saved and how holy they are. Because the Lord said, in verse 21, that the betrayer was a, a disciple. He says, one of you shall betray me. <clears throat> it was treachery and deception. Judas had tried to hide his sin. He, had, he did a pretty good job. No one knew about his plot, not even the disciples. His, his closest associates didn't know that he was getting ready to sell Jesus out. But how many of y'all know Jesus knew? I, I, I need y'all to know Jesus knows everything. The pastor might not know it. The first lady might not know it. The bishop might not know it. But you need to understand that Jesus knows everything. I believe it was, it, it was David that says, where can I go to get out of the sight of the Lord? If I ascend to the highest mountain, I know God is there. If I go down to the depths of the sea, I know God is there. If I make my bed in hell, he said, I know that God is there. And he finally had to come to the conclusion that the eyes of the Lord is in every place, beholding the good and the evil. And so nobody knew about Judas's plot. Nobody knew but the Lord. And so when he said, when Jesus said, that one of you shall betray me, of course the disciples got stirred. And look at verse number 22. They were stirred. They were exceeding 
sorrowful. Uh, they became so heavenly burdened over the news that they began to question their own loyalty. <laughs> here, 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 the Lord said, one of y'all going to betray me. And all of the disciples start talking about, is it I? Each of them begin to ask, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Uh, 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 look at verse number 23, because the sinner committed a monstrous deception because uh, Jesus had to say it was the one who dippeth his hand with me in the dish. I, I need y'all to take a moment and imagine the deception. The sinner sat with Christ. He, 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 he partook of the Lord's last supper. He sat, he probably dressed like the rest of them and he looked like he was on their side. He, he plotted and was guilty of the most terrible sin. Well, this ain't the first time that Jesus had experienced this. Uh, David talked about it in Psalms 49. I'm sorry, Psalms 41 and 9. He says, yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat, eat of my bread, have lifted up his heel against me. Jesus said on one occasion that he was wounded in the house of a friend. Where's the last place you expect to be wounded? In the house of a friend. Amen. That's the last place you expect to be offended is in the house of, of a friend. But Christ, he had, he had warned, he had already warned the sinner of terrible judgment. Glance at verse number 24. Because Jesus knew the destiny of the sinner, the terrible fate that awaited him. It would have been better had the sinner never been born. He said, what you getting ready to do? He said, it would have been better had you never been born. Then when you glance at verse number 25, can I talk about the Bible? Christ then, he just identified the sinner. The sinner thought he was getting away with something. And Christ said, now, I'm going to expose you here now. Judas had the nerve to ask, is it I? Knowing all the time it was him. You know, he should have had some sense and just kept his mouth shut. He should have, Judas should have known it was going to come out sooner or later. Uh, but Judas sat up there and say, said to Jesus, is it I? And so Jesus, Jesus had to, Jesus had to answer him. Amen. Uh, it's you, Judas. You're the one. And notice, notice, notice how Judas approached him because, my God, I thought this was interesting because in verse number 22, you got to notice what Judas called Christ. He said, Rabbi. In other words, teacher. When you look at verse number 22, the other disciples, they had called him Lord. Oh, y'all don't miss that. Don't miss that. Now, now, to the other disciples, he's Lord. But to Judas, he's just a teacher. Rabbi, is it I? Oh, bless your name, Jesus. I need those of you, I need those of you that, are, that, 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 that like to write and take notes while I'm preaching. I need you to write down Luke, the 13th chapter, uh, uh, verses 3 and verse, uh, and verse 5, because he says, I tell ye, nay, but except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish. In other words, he said all this faking and shaking and, and just going through the motions and just acting like we holy and sounding like we holy and 
trying to dress like we holy. He said, you can come to the table if you want to. He said, but I need you to repent because except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Write down the book of Acts, the eighth chapter, verse 22. He says, repent therefore of this thy wickedness. Pray to God. Pray while God will answer you. Pray while God hears you. He said, if perhaps the thoughts of thine heart may be forgiven thee. He says, you need to pray. Write down Acts, the third chapter, verse 19. He says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, when God gets ready to restore, when God gets ready to renew, when God gets ready to refresh, you don't want nothing coming between you and God. Hey, you want the refreshing rain to fall on you. You want God to restore. Well, God says you need to repent. And so the Lord's Supper is an occasion that speaks to sinners. I'm going to say it again. It's an occasion that speaks to sinners. It can be used to point out sin for which Christ died and to warn about the consequences of sin if a person does not repent. Judas said at Jesus' last supper and he deceptively partook of it with sin in his life. And I'm y'all know too many believers do the same. Too many believers do the same. Their close associates and fellow believers, they may be deceived, but God is not deceived. He knows all about our sins. Somebody ought to shout, he knows about my sins. All of us have sinned. and We've come short of the glory of God. All of us missed the mark. You haven't been glorified yet. For those of you that sit and want to be holier than thou and say that you don't sin. I don't sin. And I haven't sinned since I've been saved. You're a lie. You just sin. Because the Bible have declared that if you say that you have not sinned, you are, you are a liar. There's a sin of commission. Those are the things that we do. And then there's a sin of omission. Those are the things that God has commanded us to do and we fail to do. How many of y'all know all sin is sin? When God tells you to stop and talk to a neighbor and witness because you see that neighbor is hurting, but you're too busy because you need to make a run to Walmart or to the gym and you ain't got time to stop and whisper a prayer after God has put it in your spirit. When God puts in your spirit to bless somebody else financially, but you want to go on Amazon and get those new shoes, you ought to declare the devil is a liar that sin when we omit what God has commissioned us to do. And so Judas, he had deceived the apostles. You need to understand that people can always deceive others. We could deceive our families. We can deceive our friends. We could live this life and, and never be discovered. But I need y'all to know God knows the heart. And not only does God know your heart, but God also knows, he knows our sins. But what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole within? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me whiter than snow. No other help I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Somebody ought to shout the blood. The blood. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Notice what the disciples did. The disciples, they examined themselves. We've come to the time and the point now where we must have self-examination. Stop pointing your finger at everybody else. Stop picking out what other folks' sins are and what you think you know about other people. It's time for self-examination. The disciples, they examined themselves. They looked at themselves to see if they were the sinners. And I need you to know that believers, we are exhorted to examine ourselves before partaking of the Lord's Supper. He says, I'm going to have the Passover. I'm going to have the Lord's Supper at your house today. He said, but before you partake of my body and before you drink of my blood, he said, I need you to examine yourself. Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your wife. Don't look at your children. He said, I need you to examine yourself. We had that in the early scripture, our morning scripture, examine yourself. It's necessary because no believer is sinless, nor are we beyond sin. And so the exhortation is clear in Romans 11 and 20. Don't be high-minded. Don't think that because you may not do this or you may not do that and you're better than this person, that's high-mindedness. You're like that Pharisee that went into the temple to pray along with that sinner and all the sinner could do was beat up on his chest and tell the Lord, Lord, please have mercy on me. Somebody, you might need to beat up on your chest today and you need to tell the Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. I don't know about y'all. I'm glad. Hallelujah. I thank God for his mercy. I thank God for his grace. I thank God for his faithfulness because if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the mercies of God and the faithfulness of God, I would have been cut off long time ago. But I got to beat on my chest and I have to say, Lord, have mercy because I know I haven't treated everybody right. Lord, have mercy. I haven't spoke to people right. Lord, have mercy. I, you mean, pastor, do you confess? And I'm confessing. I've had some thoughts in my mind that shouldn't be in my mind. But Lord, if you will have mercy on me, we live in a day where other folk won't have mercy on you. People like to dig up your past. If you ain't got nothing better to do but to carry a shovel around with you and dig up other people's past, God bless you. My prayer is, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Because when you get to the point where you feel like you got it all together, you're being high-minded. You're being high-minded. Hallelujah. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so he says, be not high-minded, but fear God. Now, that fear God means don't be scared of God. There's no need of us being scared of him. Oh, I'm just scared of God. What are you going to do to me? No, don't be scared of God. That 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 fear means you get you you need to reverence God, reverence God for who God is. That God, as I beat upon my chest, and I say to you, have mercy on me. 
That means, God, I know I'm not even worthy to come before your presence. God, I'm not worthy to eat of your body. I'm not worthy to drink of your blood by faith. But God, if you have mercy, I reverence you because of who you are. My sins, my shortcomings, my shortfall doesn't change who God is. God, you're an awesome God. You reign forever and forever. And so not only did the disciples, and my time is about up, not only did the disciples examine themselves, but then Christ revealed uh, that he was to be betrayed in order to strengthen the faith of the other disciples. You'll find that in St. John, the 13th chapter, verse 19. He told them, I got to be betrayed in order that you may be strengthened in your faith. He revealed his omniscience, that he was truly God. Hallelujah. He said, I got to do this uh, so that your faith may be strengthened. And note, note, if you will, how Judas tried to continue his deception. He just, he just kept on trying. He, he just kept on trying. He didn't know, though, that God had already figured him out. I need y'all to know something. God done already figured us out. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I said, God done, God already knows all about us. God knows our uprising. God knows our downsetting. God knows when we go out. God knows when we come back in. God knows everything about us. It would behoove each and every one of us just to throw our hands up in the air and just tell God, Lord, have mercy on me and tell him that, God, I belong to you. I am your child. You know, those of you that have children, uh, 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 you know, you have some you, you have some obedient children. You have some disobedient children. You have some children that, 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 that's easy to love. I'm going to say it, and you have some children that might not be so easy. Hey, come on, somebody else say amen up in this place. But the bottom line is, no matter how bad they are, no matter how disobedient they are, you still love them. Somebody on the side, I still love them. I still love them. You got some you got some nieces, you got some nephews, you got some cousins. If you don't have children, and you have to declare that as much as I've done for them, and then they turn around and act a fool, I still love them. Well, what do you think about God? Hey, hallelujah. He gave his only begotten son for our sins and so that we can experience eternal life with him. That's why we better learn patience, how to love the unlovable, because that's exactly what he does. That's exactly what he does for us. And so my brothers and my sisters, Judas illustrated, and I'm done, a very significant point. He, he, he did. The reason for continuous sin. Huh? The reason for continuing sin. And that reason was unbelief in Jesus. I'm going to say it again, unbelief in Jesus. Jesus was not Lord to Judas. Judas had been there with the rest of the disciples. Judas saw what the rest of the disciples saw. Judas heard what the rest of the disciples heard. Judas saw the miracles like the rest of the disciples saw the miracles. But Jesus was not Lord to Judas. To Judas, Jesus was only a man, a misguided and self-proclaimed Messiah. 
That's all he was. That's all he was. He was just a misguided, hallelujah, self-proclaimed Messiah. He was not Judas's Lord. Well, I need y'all to know something. Make him Lord of your life. Make him Lord of your life. He says, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep the Passover. I'm going to keep the Lord's Supper at your house today. I'm going to have it with my disciples. <laughs> How do y'all know we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> we are his disciples. And he says, I'm going to have communion at your house. But he says, I need you to do something. I need you to examine yourself. I need you to have self-examination. Don't, 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 don't try to be like Judas and say, Lord, is it I? Don't try to play hide go seat with God. You got to remember that game, hide go seat, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 100. And then we would say, ready or not, here I come. And neither we hide all over the place. And the other person had to try to find us. Ah, uh, but let me tell you something. God don't have to find you. <laughs> he knows exactly where you are. He knows where you are physically. He knows where you are, hallelujah, emotionally. He knows where you are spiritually. God knows where you are. And so you don't have to say, is it me? Instead, I'm just going to say, it's me. <laughs> it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, nor my father. It's not my sister. It's not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord. I'm the one standing in the need of prayer. And God, because you've chosen, hallelujah, because of your goodness and your greatness to have communion at my house. <laughs> I want to make sure that my heart is right, that my motives are pure. And it's real simple. It's real simple. Those of us that know Jesus as our personal savior, this isn't a heaven or hell thing for us. It's not even a heaven or hell thing for us. Hallelujah. It's just that we want to be right. We want to have a right relationship with God so that we don't eat, so that we don't drink damnation unto our souls. We don't want to play games with him. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. And he says that when we confess our sins, He's faithful and he's just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all believe that? It was the blood that he shed for me way back on Calvary, the blood that gave me strength from day to day.
it will never lose its power. Every eye close, every head bow. Every eye close, every head bow. Sometimes we just need to repent of our sins and then we just need to give ourselves away to the Lord. And that ought to be somebody's prayer here today. Somebody ought to declare, God, I give myself away. So you can use Because I want you to use me. Give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use I give myself Tell the Lord, Lord, here I am. I give myself away. You can use me. What would happen if a generation embraced this? Come on, stop. we pray that you will take our hearts, you will take our lives as a living sacrifice. God, forgive us of all sin. God, we confess our sins to you. Because your word declares that we confess our sins to you, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Now, God, forgive us. God, forgive us of all of our sins, the sins that we've committed. The sins of omission, the things that we've omitted, God, that you've told us to do, that you've spoken into our lives and you have commissioned us to do. But God, we become too busy. Our agenda is too full and, and we don't fulfill what you've commanded us to fulfill. God, forgive us. Wash us. Cleanse us. Make us whole. In the name of Jesus, let your power and your anointing saturate our life. Give us a hunger and a thirst for more of you, God, more of your word. In the name of Jesus, let our light so shine before you and me and God that they will glorify the Father which is in heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for cleansing. We thank you for your blood. 
We thank you for protection. We thank you for your faithfulness. Now, God, those that are sick, let your healing virtue flow in the name of Jesus. Touch them as I pray right now. Touch them, God. Touch them. Touch them from the top of their heads down to the soles of their feet. Touch them this second, God. Let them feel your presence. Let your healing virtue flow now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. Give peace in the midst of confusion. Uh, give us a peace that surpasses all understanding, God, during this time. Help us to keep our minds stayed on you and help us to continue to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In the name of Jesus. And then, God, as we study your word, give us insight, give us revelation, give us inspiration. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you and we praise you for it. There's none like you. We worship you. We magnify you. We glorify you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for your word. And you have declared that your word will not go forth void. But it's going to accomplish what you set out for it to accomplish. Now let your word accomplish your will. And your purpose in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. And God, we say thank you. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody clap your hands. Everybody clap your hands. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. Give God praise. Hallelujah, God, we praise you. God, we magnify you. And God, we lift up your, your holy name. God is 